Chapter Twelve of Bunyip Land. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Bunyip Land by George Manville Finn. Chapter Twelve: How Watch Was Kept by Night. The sheet which I have called our tent was stretched over a low bough and secured to pegs at the four corners, being all open at the sides, so that as I lay I could gaze right away in any direction. On one side there was gloom, with the tall pillar-like tree trunks standing up gray and indistinct. On the other side there was the bright fire, which was as dangerous, I thought, as it was useful for though it served to keep off wild beasts, it was likely to attract savage men, just as moths fly to a flame. As I lay there I could see the doctor keeping watch, and beside him one of the natives, whose black face looked curious and ghastly with the bandage he wore round his head, for this was one of the men who had been seized by the captain of the other schooner, and who had eagerly volunteered to be of our party. This man was gazing intently at the doctor as if eager to catch the slightest indication of a wish, and so still and misty did he look in the weird light that but for the flaming of the fire from his eyes it would have been hard to tell that he was a living being. Though it was not cold, our black followers all slept close about the fire jimmy being the nearest so close in fact that he seemed as if he were being prepared for a feast on the morrow and this idea of roasting came the more strongly from the fact that we were in a land whose inhabitants were said to have certain weaknesses toward a taste for human joints jack penny was sleeping heavily close to me and at regular intervals seemed to announce that he was dreaming of eating, for his lips gave vent over and over again to the word pork. Sometimes this regular snoring sound annoyed me, but I forgot it again directly as I lay sleepless there, now watching the gloom of the forest, now the flickering and dancing light of the fire as the wood crackled and burned, and the sparks and smoke went straight up till they were lost on high amid the densely thick branches overhead. It was a curious sensation to be there in that awful solitude, thinking of my past adventures and wondering what the next day might bring forth. I wanted to sleep and rest so as to rise refreshed when the doctor called me two hours after midnight when I was to relieve guard. But sleep would not come and I lay fidgeting about, wondering how it was possible that such a small twig could set up so much irritation beneath my back. Then, just as I thought I was going off, there would be the sensation as some creeping insect crawling about over my face and in amongst the roots of my hair. Then, after impatiently knocking it away, something seemed to be making its way up my sleeve, to be succeeded by something else in the leg of my trousers, while I had hardly got rid of this sensation when a 
peculiarly clammy, cold touch taught me that either a lizard or a snake was crawling over my feet. This last I felt constrained to bear, for a movement might result in the bite of some poisonous creature, while by lying still I might escape. At last I really was dropping off into a sound sleep, when all at once I started into wakefulness, fascinated as it were by the sight of something shining in the black darkness to the left of our fire. With a shudder running through me I rose to my elbow, at the same moment seizing my gun, when a single intent glance convinced me that I was right, for certainly some creature was watching the doctor and probably crouching before making a deadly bound. I cocked the piece softly, holding the trigger the while, so that there should be no sharp click, and in another moment I should have fired, after careful aim between the two bright glaring eyes, when the doctor made a movement, and the animal darted aside and went bounding off, just giving me a glimpse of its form, which was that of a small deer. I saw the doctor shade his eyes and stand watching the flying creature. Then stooping down he picked up a few branches that had been gathered ready, and made the fire blaze more brightly. As the glow increased I saw something which there was no mistaking for a harmless deer. For not ten yards away there was a large, cat-like creature crouching close to the ground, while, to make assurance doubly sure, there came from between its bared and glistening white teeth a low, angry snarl. I took aim and tried to get a good sight at its head, but hesitated to draw a trigger, for the glow from the fire made appearances deceptive, the body of the cat-like beast seeming to waver up and down, and directly after the creature moved and its head was covered by a low bush. But the doctor and his companion had both seen the animal, which uttered a menacing roar as the former stepped forward, snatched a piece of burning wood from the fire, and hurtled it toward the beast, his example being followed by the New Guinea man. The result was a furious roar, and the great cat bounded away toward the forest. This brought Jip to his feet with a fierce volley of barking, and he would have been off in pursuit but for his master, who woke up and ran out, exclaiming, Dingles after the sheep! Dingles after the sheep! Here, Jip! Boy! Here, Jip! Here! Eh? I say, is anything the matter? No, no. All right, cried the doctor. I, I thought I was at home, said Jack, rubbing his eyes, and... Oh, how sleepy I am. Lie down again, then, said the doctor, and Jack obeyed, Jip following and curling up close by his master, who very soon resumed his heavy breathing in so objectionable a manner that I felt over and over again as if I should like to kick him and wake him up. For there is nothing on earth so annoying as to be unable to sleep when someone close by is snoring away in happy oblivion. As I lay there with my face turned from the fire so that it should not keep me awake, I felt more and more the sensation of awe produced by being there in the midst of that wild place, 
While I was perfectly still, my eyes were directed upwards in amongst the branches of the great tree, now illumined by the bright flame of our fire, and by degrees I made out that these boughs were peopled by birds and what seemed to be squirrels, and all more or less excited by the unaccustomed light. I lay gazing up at them, seeing the different objects very indistinctly in the dancing light, and then all at once it seemed to me that one particular branch was rising and falling slowly with a peculiar movement. It was a strange wavy motion, which was the more remarkable from the fact that there was no wind. But after a moment or two's thought, I fancied I had found the cause in the heated air produced by the fire. But that did not explain what next took place in the smoky obscurity above the fire, for the branch seemed to wave about more and more, and then to lengthen, and I made sure that it was the shadow I saw. But directly after, a thrill ran through me as I recalled that these creatures were fond of nestling high up in branches where they captured birds and monkeys, and I said in a low, hoarse whisper, Why, it's a snake! There was no doubt about the matter, for as it swung lower, holding on by its tail, I could see that it was indeed a snake, evidently of considerable length, and about as thick as my arm. It had been aroused from probably a torpid state by the fumes of the fire, and was now descending from bough to bough to reach the earth, and I paused for a time, asking myself what I had better do. The result was that I overcame the unwillingness I felt to move, and crept so softly toward the doctor that I was able to lay my hand upon his shoulder before he heard me approach. "'Why, Joe!' he exclaimed, starting. I thought it was an enemy. Yes, there he is, I said, with a shudder, and I pointed up among the branches. The black, who was the doctor's fellow watcher, had seen me approach, and following with his eyes the direction pointed to by my hand, he too looked up into the tree, where, glistening in the firelight, there was the reptile swinging slowly to and fro, with a pendulum-like motion. In spite of the horror inspired by such a creature, free and within a few yards of where I was standing, I could not help noticing the beauty of the scales, which shone in the firelight as if of burnished bronze. But I had little time for examination. One moment I was noting the head and curved neck of the reptile, the next there was a sharp twanging noise, and I saw the serpent's head jerk upwards, then what seemed to be a mass of thick rope fell near the fire. There was a tremendous lashing and tossing about, and when the doctor and I approached the spot cautiously with our guns, it was to find that the reptile had glided off into the forest depths. A good shot for a bow and arrow, said the doctor, turning to our black companion, who smiled complacently our manner plainly showing him that we were admiring his skill. "'You are getting a poor night's rest, Joe,' said the doctor, smiling. "'Now go and lie down again.' "'It's of no use,' I said fretfully. "'I can't sleep, and I only lie thinking about home and him. "'I shall stay and watch.' 
The doctor protested, but finding at last that I was unwilling to lie down again, he said, Well, I am quite different, for I am so tired that I cannot keep awake. I will go and lie down if you promise to come and wake me up as soon as you are drowsy. Mind and keep up a good blaze. I replied that he might be sure of that. Don't fire unnecessarily, he continued. If any wild animal comes near, a piece of burning wood will scare it away at once. As it did that great cat, I said. Did you see then, he said. I have not been asleep for a minute, I replied. What was it, a tiger? Tiger? No, my lad, he said laughing. I don't think we shall see any tigers here. There, I shall yawn my head off if I stop here talking. Good night. He walked to the shelter, and I went and sat down next to our black companion, who smiled a welcome, and thinking this a favorable opportunity, I set to work to try and increase my knowledge of the language, by lifting up different objects and making the black give me their native name, which I tried to imitate as well as I could. He was very intelligent, grasping my meaning at once, and repeating the words again and again, till I was nearly perfect, when he laughed with childlike pleasure. The time passed so quickly in this occupation that I was quite startled by hearing a wild, resonant cry that seemed to echo through the forest arcades. Then there was a succession of piercing screams, followed by loud whistling and muttering. A monkey started a chattering noise which was answered from a distance with a hundredfold power and looking about me I found that the day was breaking and the night watch at an end. The change from night to morning is very rapid near the equator, and soon the sun was making bright and attractive places that had looked awful and full of hidden dangers in the night, while in place of the depression produced by the darkness I felt eager sensations and desires springing up within my heart and a strong inclination to get forward once more upon our journey. We made a very hearty meal before the sun was much above the horizon. Our simple packing was soon done, and we were not long before we were well on the road of discovery. I expected to be very tired and sleepy, but to my surprise I did not feel in the least the worse for my restless night, and we trudged along pretty swiftly when the land was open slowly and toilsomely when tangled growth obstructed our way. I was too much occupied with thoughts of my father to pay much heed to the fruits and flowers that we came upon in many spots. Besides, I was on before with Jack Penny and Jip in front of us very intelligently leading the way. There was, I knew, always the chance of meeting some danger and on this account we kept a very sharp lookout ahead, till suddenly we were stopped by a strange noise, as of water being struck a succession of heavy blows, and as Jip set up his ears, threw back his nose, and uttered a low whimper, there was the click-click of gunlocks, and everyone prepared for some coming danger, the blacks remaining quiet, looking wonderingly at our strange proceedings. The sound ceased as suddenly as it had begun, and though we listened intently we heard it no more for that time, 
so we continued our journey with everyone thoroughly on the alert. End of chapter 12 How Watch Was Kept by Night